Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Bob Lab. I'm your host, Jason. I'm here with Jack, and we have a very special guest. We have Jake O'Donnell. Jake, you want to get the viewer? Do you want to get, um, how do I say? I, I, I need a unique saying every time, but um, you want to introduce yourself to the viewers? I got to change it up. I say that every time. Uh, well, I, I will, I'll do my best. Uh, thank you guys for very much for having me on. Um, I really appreciate it. So yeah, I'm, I'm Jake O'Donnell. You can find me on Twitter at Jake T. O'Donnell. Um, I am, uh, one of the co-hosts on the pesky report, um, where I, uh, do during the season, uh, I do the minor league show miners talk. I know you guys know Derek, I think pretty well. Um, he, we, it's me, Derek and Hunter Knoll. Um, every week we talk about everything going on with the Red Sox minor league system. Um, I also will be on other shows, uh, during the course of the week, occasionally, if they need help talking about the, the major league team. Um, I also contribute to beyond the monster, uh, where I, I, uh, I, I don't have as much time to write as much as I would, as often as I would like to uh for their site there but i try to put a lot of time and thought and effort into the stuff that i write there uh sort of taking some bigger bigger picture views of things that are happening with the team i wrote a you know a pretty uh very lengthy one uh right after the christmas holiday because i had a lot of stuff on my mind um and uh those are the big red sox related things i also uh run my wife and i run my own run our youtube channel called wax pack wisdom where we uh talk a lot about uh uh the trading card hobby and and baseball history and and other sports too that's a major passion of mine uh and so uh that's been something that uh takes up a lot of my time outside of work and different things i have to do as well uh we've we've, we've done a lot uh it's been a really fun last year growing that youtube channel as well so so those are the things that you need to know about me uh from uh from probably the stuff we'll talk about but i've uh you know i've i've been watching the red Sox. uh i think a lot longer than either of you guys have even been alive so i my first year <laughs> the first year i went to fenway park was 1992 so um so that's that's been my it's been my obsession uh for all these years and you know i i think i you know i started writing more and and getting things a little bit uh, i started putting more effort into stuff that i would write because I've, I've been writing about the red sox literally my whole life in one one way or another but late 20 like during the 2022 season late in that year i really kind of started to focus back into doing more of it regularly and people started to notice and i know you guys had ed had ed hand on recently and Ed was somebody that uh, brought me into the Pesky Report and um, has been a big uh, proponent and a big champion of my work, and I really appreciate that. Um, and so everything kind of went from there. So and now, now I find myself early January talking to you guys. So there cool. we go. Yeah. So um, I I think I speak for Jack too, but we appreciate your time and we Certainly. thank you for coming yeah. on. And let, you know, let let's get to it. So mm -hmm. the Red Sox um, been a very interesting last couple of weeks i guess you know mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of stuff's happened it, it happens in waves i feel like one week we're kind of in mm -hmm. the week where nothing's going on but then the week before the week prior we had we have moves left and right like we recorded mm -hmm. three episodes or i recorded three episodes on this podcast so you know let's start i'll go back to i guess giolito um mm -hmm. jake i'll let me ask you what do you what do you make of the Giolito sign? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you in the middle? Um, well, I would say that I I lean more towards liking it than anything else. I don't. Um, 
you know, I don't know how people could necessarily hate it. I think that people will probably find a way, but because obviously, you know, he's he the results for him at the end of the day, the last two seasons have not been amazing. In fact, he really struggled for long stretches last last season, um, especially late in the year. He was very good in the first half of the year for the White Sox. And then, um, you know, he moves around twice. He gets traded to the Angels and that goes really poorly. It's a whole situation that's like really bad there. And then he gets dropped and then goes to the Indians or sorry, not the Indians, the Guardians. Um, and he really struggled there, too. And we know that there was things going on in his personal life as well. Um, he had big issues giving up home runs still at the end of the day, he ended up throwing 184 innings, um, which is, you know, way more the Red Sox highest, uh, I believe Bayo had the most innings on the team last year at like 157. Um, and we saw the problems with going into bullpen games and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think if you average it out the last three years, Giolito has averaged 175 innings pitched. And again, you know, we had, I think in 2022, Nick Pavetta finished like just under 180 innings. So the Red Sox just haven't had that guy that you can consistently give the ball to every fifth day and they're going to stay healthy and they're going to give you, you know, six innings, seven innings every time out. We saw last season how hard it was to have that, to get that. So I think that if nothing else, um, Giolito is going to be this like solid source of innings. And I think, the money, you know, a year, like 19, 18, 19 million, but given his upside, given how good he was in like, you know, in the, the, from basically 2019 through 2021, he's really one of the top pitchers in the American league. He gets Cy Young votes every one of those years. And I think that it, that the Red Sox feel like he's still young. He's only, I think, what, 20, um, I have it right here. He's 29. He turned 29 last year. Like, he's on the right side of 30. So I think that the Red Sox look at that. They look at Bailey and what they can, what they can get him back to with, like, the right coaching, you know, because, again, you, you look at, especially, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to speak ill of Cleveland. They're a good quality organization, but, I mean, you know, he spends, like, a huge chunk of last season with the White Sox and the Angels. Like, I mean, what are we talking about here? Like, I feel like the Red Sox are, uh, you know, with, with Bailey and, and the, the pitching, you know, infrastructure that they have are much and kind of be kind of in a much better spot to be able to get more out of Giolito than previously. So um, I think that there are obviously concerns with how poorly he, he pitched at times last year, all the home runs he gave up contact he gave up still had a 204 strikeouts in 184 innings that's pretty great um but i think that uh it's a it's ultimately it could possibly only be a one-year commitment so you're not tying yourself down too long to him a big advantage also is that you could give him the qualifying offer if he has a good year and leaves so you can get a draft pick for him because that obviously i think that the the white Sox probably were hoping going into the year that like worst case scenario that's what would happen um, so I, um, I like the signing. I'm a proponent of it. I think that he is, he fits a need in terms of a guy that you can get good innings out of, but also like there's upside that you can tap back into that guy who was a great pitcher before, before 2022. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a proponent of the signing for sure. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. A lot of upside. That's a common theme we've, we've seen from Craig Breslow. I, I, I think there's got to be more to come, though, right? Giolito, yes, he has the benefit of he's been a good pitcher before and up until his personal issues leading up to the deadline. 
Um, you know, he was decent. And this is kind of a one-year prove-it deal, but can he be the number one? I mean, he probably could, but I think there's got to be more. Um, I'll pivot to Jack on his thoughts too. Like, what do you think, Jack? I think I think there's you got to have more than that, whether it's via trade or whether Definitely. it's via um, the free agent market, which I highly doubt at this point, but we'll get more into that later. Yeah, they no doubt need another arm, and I know we're going to talk about that a little later with maybe Snell or Imanaga or trade, but – um, without getting too deep into that and more so on the Giolito topic, I think Nate, uh, I, I think, I think the way they approached it with, with the potential qualifying offer after this year is huge. So I think strategically it was done really well by Breslow, but I also think that, um, it gives them like, like Jake was saying, a guy who can take the ball every five days, which they haven't had. And Pavetta was obviously a little bit weird with how he was in between starting and, and, long relieving last year, but if, if they think Pavetta can be a number four or five starter with the new sweeper and elevated fastball velocity, and you have Giolito, now you kind of have two workhorses, whereas last year at points you were, you know, strategically optioning guys to and from AAA just to, to complete series. So I think the workhorse aspect is huge, even if you don't tap into what he was two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, whatever it is. Uh, even though there is definitely confidence in the upside with Andrew Bailey potentially getting getting him back to old form. Like Jake mentioned, the strikeouts are still there, which is huge, right? That when you when you wanna kind of relive uh, I guess reinvent somebody's career and get them back to where they were, strikeouts is the big part that you look at. So I think um, there's a lot to like and considering it's the one year deal, potentially could be two and then potentially could be three, is huge and it's pretty affordable too. I know um when we had Ed hand on, he was thinking like, yeah, this guy's probably just going to get, uh, he's probably going to get as much length on his contract as he can. So to me, a one year, it's essentially a one year prove it deal was a little bit surprising to me. Although, you know, a lot of people argue it's a small market move or whatever. I'm not going to frown upon it. I'm happy with it. But Jason, it, it, like you said, it's contingent on them going out and doing something else, which we'll talk about more. Yeah. I think it's our, I'll, I'll give one more thought and then I think it's good to move on unless Jake has any thoughts after what I say. Um, I heard him and like Bayo were probably the top two pitchers in the league. I think it was something from Red Sox stats. Correct me if I'm wrong. Something on the um, something with like their fastball was pretty bad after the trade or the second half in the second half. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but that's where Andrew Bailey's going to come into play. Can they fix can he fix their fastballs? Can he fix their command? You know, only times, only time will tell. So, um, Jake, you have anything to follow up, or did you want to move on? And no, I, I think that yeah, it's it takes it's going to take work. And I think um, I was definitely impressed by Giolito's, you know, uh, press conference, the quotes that came out of him, where he was very accountable about his struggles last year. He seemed very excited to work with the the, the Red Sox team. Uh, the new the new folks here to help in the pitching infrastructure. I mean, obviously, Giolito had a market. He could, you know, he could decide where he wanted to go. It sounds like the Mets were interested. Um, and you know, it's interesting today. We're you know recording this Sunday. They kind of pivoted and signed Sean Manaya, who I think is like a far inferior pitcher. And it's interesting to me that like he worked with it. He you know the the Giants signed him, and he worked with Andrew Bailey last year, and. The Red Sox didn't really have any interest in Sean Manaya, and so not. And again, I I think that you know Manaya's had um, you know 
Um, he's had flashes of of being a really good pitcher for through the years, but not anywhere near as good as consistently as like I said, Giolito was from uh, like you know 2019, 2020, and 2021. And Giolito was like a was a, a really highly touted prospect too. You know when he was with the Nationals and he got he was uh, part of he got uh, traded to the White Sox. Um, so I'm. I'm interested to see what he can do. I think it's a, I think it's a good signing. Um, I think that, you know, being able to spend 18 to 20 million on, on a guy like that shows that the Red Sox were, you know, committed to, to, you know, helping get the rotation better, but I, I completely agree. And we'll talk about it more that there, there has to be at least one other significant starting pitching acquisition this off season. Right. And I think this is a perfect time to pivot to Chris sale because you said, this is this move is going to lead to more moves. Or at least it's an indication. Chris Sale traded to the Atlanta Braves for Vaughn Grissom and mm-hmm. forgot cash too. But right. I personally, I think I think it was a good trade. I liked it a lot. Very another upside trade. Um, I think the Sox saved around eight to ten million dollars in the CBT. Um, I guess Jake, this is where you come in. What do you, what do you make of Vaughn Grissom and what do you think about the trade? I guess. So uh, the the Von Grissom part is fascinating. I think that the Red Sox very clearly looked at the the second base market and were just like in terms of especially free agents and were just very un, unimpressed with who was available. And I think I'm sure that they poked around other p- possible trades. That you know the name Hassong Kim has come up a lot, um, and even with just like a year left, I'm sure that the Padres are still asking for quite a bit for him he's a great he's he's an excellent second baseman great defensively and had a very good year at the plate last year too so i think that this was a a very creative move by by craig breslow and by the front office to say okay we're gonna basically buy this this prospect we're gonna buy this 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 player we're gonna send 17 million dollars for one year to the braves plus chris sale who we've decided we don't view him as part of our long-term future we've had you know they know his health better than anybody they know what he can and can't do and saying okay we're gonna use him and um and go and get somebody who we believe very strongly could be like the the long-term second baseman of the future for the red sox um i think that grissom is a fascinating player he's a fascinating prospect he's he is i think he's he was in a situation where it seemed like in Atlanta, there wasn't going to be a lot of, he wasn't going to have a lot of opportunity to play. And I think considering the expectations that that team has, I think there was just really, he could really kind of only fail unless he just was like, you know, crazy good. Because again, you saw what happened. Like they gave him a shot at the beginning of the year. He wasn't great. Orlando Garcia takes the job and then that's pretty much it. And he can't, you know, and he was not, clearly not really an ideal fit as a defensively as a shortstop. Um, and he couldn't play second base because of Ozzy Albies. So um, I think that uh, it's the right opportunity for him uh, to come to, a, to come to Boston where he will get a chance to play just about every day. And um, I like his approach at the plate. He's a, he's a very, seems like a very smart hitter. He's a very, uh, he's much more of a contact oriented hitter um and we know that like just 
prior to the new front office coming in, I think that that was a big point of emphasis. The Red Sox seem to always, they want to bring in guys who are good, higher contact hitters. It seems like maybe that's staying with, with Craig Breslow in charge. So the, the, the Von Grissom part of it was great. Um, I think that's like giving up Chris Sale, you know, who I think a lot of us probably thought you couldn't give him away or you couldn't really get anything for him. The fact that they paid down, you know, a huge chunk of his salary for next year. And obviously there's a whole thing about he gets the extension and the Braves aren't really paying him next year, but like, whatever that's either way, like that was the cost to, to move him out and get something back. So the fact that they were able to get some, not just something, but like a really good pro like a good prospect, a guy who has, who has performed really at a high level in the minors, like every, at every stop and had an outstanding year last year um, in triple a to get him, he comes in. He's now your everyday second baseman. I think it was a really creative, interesting, well done tr- trade to get him back. And then, as far as Chris Sale goes, like I said, um, it's un- it's so unfortunate um, the fact that he just had one really bad thing after another happen to him. And you know, the extension goes down as one of the one of the worst contracts ever in the history of the Red Sox. No question about it. I think that it really hurt Hein Bloom. It really tied his hands, knowing what we know now about the sort of budgetary restrictions he's had. Um, the fact that that sale struggled so badly really tied his hands um, and made it, it, it you know, it, it made it um, hard for him to make improvements in other places of the club because so much of the of the of the contract extension he was injured. You think about it, like he really struggled in 2019, was injured. Misses all of 2020 with Tommy John surgery. Misses almost all of 2021. Also coming back, although he comes back in late in the year and is it is good and is also good in the playoffs. And then you know the the whatever it was like the rib thing or whatever in yeah. spring training, and then he misses most of that year. Comes back, he gets hit on the hand, the the bicycle thing, whatever. Like it's just like the, whatever weird things could happen to Chris Sale happened to him, and then this year. When he was out there, I thought for the most part he was pretty good. Um, he had some really bad starts against the Orioles mostly. Right. But then if you take out those starts, he was really good. And then, you know, the shoulder thing is tough. I think that anytime a pitcher gets a shoulder injury at this stage of their career, it's really cause for long-term concern. It's really weird to me that they, the Braves gave him an extension, but whatever. That's a whole other. It's hard to, like, question the Brave moves or, like, the, their, the way that they do things because – you know, he always seems to end up working out for them. But um, I I think that uh, I think sale, you know, I, I it was said a bunch of times this week that the guy like worked so hard to get back. And I, I really I think, you know, Red Sox fans, I think we all appreciate what he did for the Red Sox. You know, Chris Sale in 2017 was like had one of the best sort of post Pedro Martinez pitching seasons the Red Sox pitchers had. And then 2018, he's great too. He gets, you know, he gets hurt down the down the stretch. But we, you know, the the playoffs and striking out Machado and the world, like it was awesome. Like he, like having Chris Sale on the team was great. Um, but I think that uh, it was the right move to move on now from him. And um, you know, I it, I I think I you know, one thing that I've thought about a little bit since the trade happened is the I'm going to make like a Celtics reference here. So like. The tie, like it it made me think a little bit of the Robert Williams situation where it's like the guy gets hurt all the time. You know what he can do. You know how talented he is. But every year, year in, year out, you're like, 
okay, great, cool. His knees, his knees busted up again. He needs another two or three weeks. He comes back. He's good. Like he just, it's a headache. Like you, you know, the guy's talented, but it's like this headache of like, okay, like we got to make room for him because he's, he's this guy. And I, and I feel like that was the way it was with Chris sale the last couple of years where it's like, you have to pay, you have to pay homage. You have to pay deference to this guy because he's Chris sale. And if he's on your team, he's going to have a spot in your rotation. Well, you know, the bottom line is like, I would rather see Cutter Crawford in the rotation. I would rather see Nick Pavetta in the rotation. I would rather see, you know, you know, some of the, some of the other guys get a chance instead of having to carry Chris sale, hoping that he's going to be some version of the guy that he was before. So I wish him the best. Um, it was weird to see, definitely strange to see him in a, in a, in a Braves hat, but, um, you know, overall good trade for the Red Sox, creative trade, and the type of moves that I, I think hopefully we're going to see more of from Quick Breslow. Yeah, lots of upside to Vaughn Grissom. And then, yeah, like you said, that's a good reference to Rob Williams. Like, we know he can do. He just cannot stay on the court, or in this case, the field, to save his life. But the guy's an incredibly hard worker. I mean, we hear it all the time. Um, competitor, too. Competitor, Right. And then in terms of the media, like him and he, he, Chris Catillo said something on the lines of like, oh, he always gave us great quotes. So in that aspect, too, it's like, it sucks. But overall, though, I think it was time to move on from him. Um, what do you think, Jack? Yeah. Um, like Jake said, it opens up opportunities for Cutter to definitely be in there. I, I would have hated to see him be forced into the bullpen after, I think, pitching pretty well when he was a starter last year. And also it gives Pavetta a chance with the sweeper and with the additional velocity, like I mentioned before, to put it together for a full season. And you already have Bayo and Giolito, so it kind of seems like a necessary move. Um, The extension was was interesting to see Atlanta do that so quickly, considering how injury-prone he is. Um, but I, I like the move considering that the second basement market was super thin. Free agents was like Donovan Solano and Whit Merrifield pass on both of those guys. And then, I mean, who's, who's available in the trade market? Hassan Kim's the guy who everybody throws around, but he's going to get, he's going to be very expensive if you trade for him. And then he's going to require a pretty big uh, extension or contract next off season. And then the only other one, Jason, that we kind of talked a lot about, would be Brandon Jury, but another guy who's getting up there in age and only has one more year on his left on his deal. So you have uh, a kind of a fitted theme with Grissom, whereas he has six years of control. He's super raw, super uh, has super young and has a lot of untapped potential. So it kind of fits the theme of what they've been doing with Costas and Duran and other guys like that. So uh, all around, I think it was a great move, but I think that helps us pivot in towards, all right, if they have Bayo Giolito, Crawford, Pavetta, who's going to be that guy to kind of take over the rotation if they even have one. So Jason, we can start with you and then go to Jake, but I know we've talked about Imanaga. I'm not sure how, how well he projects to like a top end of the rotation kind of guy. I think his market's kind of gone crazy with Yamamoto and others getting pretty big bags, but mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about Snell also trade market. Where are you where are you at right now for them adding a top tier starter if they even do or can? Um, I'm a no on Imanaga personally. I just I, giving a hundred million to 
another guy who hasn't thrown a pitch in the MLB who has major home run concerns. Uh, and he's going to play at Fenway Park. So he's a no for me. And he's not even going to be probably not an ace. He'll probably be another uh, four, five, not four or five, but more like, more of like a middle of the rotation guy, I yeah. should say. Um, that's why I'm a no. Um, probably won't get, just because the Red Sox hands are so tied, I can't envision them getting another starter like uh, Montgomery as much as I, um, the fan inside of me wants a Montgomery, wants a Snell. I just realistically just looks like it's not going to happen. And I feel like this is a good um, pivot to Jake. So Jake, um, I think personally they're no on Imanaga because they need the top of the line. They need top guys. One, they need a number one. They need, they've been needing that for years on end now. Um, I personally don't like, I just mentioned, don't see uh, a Montgomery or Snell, but where are you on how they can acquire um, a number one pitcher, whether it be on the free yeah. agent market or the trade market. Yeah. So, so yeah, there are no number one after, after Yamamoto signed, there are no number ones on the starting pitching market like that, like for free agents. So that's, that's number one. Um, everybody else. And, and I include Blake Snell in that. Like, I just think that, um, yeah, that's interesting. I think that's, it's interesting. Like Snell won the Cy Young award in the national league last year. And he was great, especially in the second half. He had like a 1.2 ERA or something like that. But I just think like so much of it was a lot of it was luck. A lot of it was smoke and mirrors. A lot of it was, you know, he, he was, yes, he had 2.5 ERA, whatever last year. I think his FIP was more than a run higher than that. He led the national league in walks. He led the national league in hits per nine. And he also had, I believe his, I don't have it up in front of me. I'll have to pull it up. But I believe his batting average on balls in play was like 256. So that means you're lucky. Like, and so I, so, and he's 31. He is uh, injury prone. And um, we heard today from Bob Nightingale, he had it that the, um, that there are big market teams that are afraid of how he would handle things. So, I, I, you know, he's, he, to me, let him be somebody else's problem. I think he's more of a West coast guy. Um, interesting move, obviously by the, by the, um, the Mariners to trade out Robbie Ray. Maybe does that open up the opportunity for them to sign Snell? Snell is from Seattle. Maybe. Um, but as far as, uh, and then Montgomery is a very talented pitcher. Um, he's an innings eater. I like what he can do. I think he, you know, I think his numbers uh, in terms of his ability to pitch and to go be up there and, and, and pitch in big games. We saw that last year. Um, I think he compares favorably to Carlos Rodon um, in that way. It seems like the buzz right now feels like he's going back to the, the Rangers, but we'll see. Um, it seems like they've, they had, there were some financial issues in terms of their TV deal and stuff like that seems like maybe they've kind of sorted that out a little bit. So maybe he ends up going back there. We'll see. Um, and then once, so once you get past those two guys, it's, it's a lot of guys who are maybe their ceiling is they could be like a number three starter. And I do think that's kind of what Imanaga is the best version of him. I like his stuff. Um, I think that it would translate pretty well to MLB. There's a big concern about how many fly balls he gives up and the fly ball rates and, um, there's, you know, kind of gone back and forth, seen different things about like, well, it was a pitcher's or it was a hitter's park that he was in, in, in Japan. And, but maybe it wasn't really, it was kind of like average, but, um, 
I don't know. I, I agree that I think that if like, I think the hundred million dollar number is like agent speak trying to, you know, drive up the price. Um, it's really, the reporting has been kind of all over the place about who is actually in. It's like, there was some Alex Spear reporting saying like, well, the Red Sox are just lurking. They're not really in it. But then I think that Nightingale today said that the Red Sox were one of the teams in the bidding. I don't know. It's 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 hard to get a read on it. We will know. Um, today's the seventh. We're recording this. His his um, window, his posting window, closes on the eleventh. So he will have to decide, and that will probably crystallize more of the market for these sort of mid tier starters. So um, I mostly agree that I I don't know that we're going to see the Red Sox sign um, another like starting pitcher in this market. But so I think that the likeliest outcome feels like they will try to make a trade. And we've heard a lot of that. I think Spear, others have said that the Red Sox have been very active in the trade market, trying to make something happen for starting pitching help. Now, whether or not they can actually get somebody that we would call and classify as an ace is a separate question. And I don't know. I don't know who that is. Um, We've heard a ton of names mentioned as possibilities and we, maybe teams are, are listening on certain guys. The thing that that keeps that I keep going back to, and I've said it a bunch of times on Twitter and other places is that the, we saw this with the Chris sale trade. Like we, you know, it was, just, it was stunning to see that like the stuff that actually happens is the stuff that we never hear about. We didn't this Robbie Ray for, for, for Mitch Hanniger and Anthony DiScalfani, like that came out of nowhere. Like that was crazy. Nobody was talking yeah. about Robbie Ray being the one that the Mariners were going to trade. So I just like would caution people to like, I keep seeing people being like, well, who are they going to trade? Like they, they don't, they don't want to give up this guy for, for who or whatever. It's like, we don't know. Like we have no idea. We don't know. We don't know who's actually available in trade. I'm, now I'm not saying I think this is going to happen, but like for all we know, the Giants could be like, yeah, we'll listen on Logan Webb, or the or the the Diamondbacks could be like, yeah, we'll listen on Zach Allen. Like, like yep. you don't know unless you ask. Now, I'm not saying now this is not me saying I think that those guys are going to get traded. In fact, I don't think they're going to. But I'm just, but the point I'm just trying to make is that um, we're not in the room. We don't know who is actually who is that. We're not the one on these phone calls. We don't know who's actually being discussed in these in these in 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 this and. Um, so I would just say, like, we'll just have to see what happens, like, as this as the the season approaches. Um, I do think that that likeliest outcome is a trade as opposed to a free agent signing uh, for this for this whatever is the sort of next starting pitcher they want. But who that is, you, I, I got no clue. Um, that's but it's it's above my pay grade. Uh, it's not a job I want. So good luck, Fred <laughs> Rosal. It's anyone's guess. I mean, just just yeah. looking at all all the moves we've had thus far. Like the Verdugo trade, I know it's not pitching, but that came out of nowhere. Um, yep. The Luis Urias deal to Seattle out of nowhere. Tyler O'Neill kind of out of nowhere. Um, Chris Sale, I know Caravis and Merloni, they the scoop shop thing before. And then there's that tweet that a little birdie told me Sale to Atlanta. But though my point is, they, those all have come from the blue, and I think. It's not off the table that we could see um, the Red Sox trade for someone. Like it could happen in the next month. It could happen in the next five minutes. So Jake's right. I mean, there we don't know what the phone calls are. We don't know who's available. We don't know, you know, 
if X team is willing to listen to X player, we're not in the room. All we can do as fan slash, um, I guess, independent reporters or independent analysts is just wait and see what happens on, unless you have sources. But uh, I don't know, Jack, what do you think about all this? Um, It's tough. It's very tough. Everybody thinks it's like, oh, Luzardo or, oh, you know, Kirby or whatever. But it's very tough to say. Uh, I think they're not going to get Snow. They're not going to get Montgomery. I think they're probably – those guys are a little bit too rich for them. I think Imanaga, personally, I, I could so see it happening. I think he's very interesting, though. He is much older than Yamamoto, but even though they aren't even comparable pitchers. Uh, although Imanaga in Japan did have higher strikeout rates than Senga and Yamamoto, I believe, which is, which is interesting. And that's, again, like with a supposed pitching guru like Andrew Bailey, stuff like that is intriguing. However, his values doubled from what people thought he could get two or three months ago, right? People thought maybe he'd get 50, 60 million. Now people are saying he'll get a hundred count with his posting fee included. So that's a concern, uh, especially being a fly ball pitcher in Fenway. That's not something that you want to probably mess around with, but I could see him as a realistic possibility, but it's so easy for people on Twitter to say, all right, let's just go get our ACE and then we'll be good. It's really hard to get an ACE. I mean, the traditionalists will tell you there's five of them in baseball right? A lot of people will tell you an ace versus a one is different. And, and yeah, all that can be true. Yeah. Garrett Cole or Logan Webb, those guys probably aren't available. Snell is like Jake said, probably a little bit lucky and inconsistent too. So I don't know. I don't see them committing 150, 60, 80 million to him just to have another Chris sale type deal for five years, right? Somebody who's on and off the field, not consistently performing well. So I think they're in a tough position, and I think Breslow probably has his hands tied a bit, similar to the way Bloom did, which really sucks. I mean, especially for us fans, that really sucks. But I think it's going to play out soon. Uh, Imanaga could, since his stuff has to unfold in the next four days, like Jake mentioned, that could be a, 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 te- a telling as to when they do something. But it's tough to say. I think Imanaga is possible, but outside of him, I don't see them, you know, going to Strowman, pivoting to him, or spending big money on Montgomery or Snow. That's where I'm at. Right. And I know, Jake, you're on the minor league show for the Pesky Report. I feel like, personally, even with the addition of Vaughn Grissom, there's starting to be that logjam of, like, pitchers, not pitchers, but outfielders and um, position players, like, Nick York, I mean, we're seeing he's only a second baseman. If they're really committed to Von Grissom playing second base, where's he going to play? Or um, outfield, I'm kind of working on a piece for Beyond the Monster as we speak, kind of analyzing, like, the Red Sox have a lot of outfielders. They got to decide on who they're going to commit to. And I, I just think something's got to give. Um, Jake, I guess, what are your thoughts on this yeah. kind of, like, log jam um, at least I, I think there is, but what do you think? Well, so for the outfield, yeah, it's it's very interesting, and we haven't really talked about the the rumors around, you know, Teoscar Hernandez, um, you know, the the reporting from Alex Spear the other the other day was that the Red Sox have made a two year offer. They don't want to um, they don't want to to increase that offer. 
There was another report, um, I believe it was from last night. Um, I think it was from, I think it was, it was from Hector Gomez, I think. Um, I can't remember his name, Hector. Uh, but but either way, the report was that the 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 Dodgers seem to be in the lead for for Hernandez and that they are willing to go beyond three years even. Who knows? It seems like there's a lot of agent posturing and things happening with this. This is always what happens this time of year with all of these moves is that stuff that gets gets stuff that gets leaked, um, stuff that's out there is somebody is putting it out there for a reason uh, and it's to gain leverage and all that's that's why this stuff happens. So who knows what's really going on? Um, I do think that it's it is, you know, I, I certainly would trust that Spear, uh, if he knows that the Red Sox made a two year offer, that that's. I would take that to the bank. Um, Same. Yeah. So I think that um, I think if they sign him, then I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how they can, you know, I don't know how they can go into next season with the entire outfield mix that they have, unless they're just like completely okay with like keeping, uh, you know, Rafaela and uh, Willier and Willier Brayu in the minors, which maybe they are, but um, I think that's the surplus that you trade from to address the starting pitching mark starting pitching need that you have. And so, so yes, I agree. Like you have, um, you have probably too many guys in the outfield that are available right now that you could move. I think that, uh, I think Sedan Rafaela is the name certainly to watch as a, as a trade candidate for the outfield, just because of, um, I think maybe you could, you get there. Maybe there's another team that really thinks that, he's going to hit in the majors that his, that his, that they can change his approach. Um, and, and, the, and to go along, they'll, they're willing to live with whatever they get offensively because of how elite he is, uh, as, especially as a center fielder. Um, I think that that's probably the big name to watch. I think that, um, I think Abreu is a name to watch too, depending on if, how other teams feel about him. As far as the middle infield goes, I think that what's fascinating is the fact that like none of these guys have really played. I guess the the one guy who has played a lot in AAA and also has played quite a bit in the majors is is Emmanuel Valdez, and then you also have David Hamilton who has played a you know some in the majors but not a lot. I think that those are guys to watch as as trade candidates more so than like Nick York because at least those guys have big league experience. At least those guys have played at AAA. I don't see the need to. Um, I don't see the need to trade Nick York now. I think like if if you can, uh, if somebody make bulls you over, if he's like the if somebody just if another team just is totally enamored with him and thinks that he's like going to be their starting second baseman like sooner rather than later. Then and you can get a piece back that you want, whether it's a starting pitcher or maybe it's a like a hit power hitting right fielder or, or power hitting right handed hitter or something like that. Then yeah, then you trade. You could put Nick York in that trade. I also just think that the, the I think he has less value because he hasn't played a Triple A yet, and and he is certainly I believe ticketed to be the everyday second baseman for the, the Woo Sox next year. Um, you know he did he he showed a lot last year in Portland. He, he, I think sh- held his own very well uh, defensively at second base. I think that he, a big thing was that he was healthy all year after he had had a really tough 2022 in terms of injury and really struggled at the plate in Greenville. And then, uh, but, but, you know, there are holes in his game too. Like he has, he, um, there are some issues around, uh, you know, 
swing and miss at pitches in, in the strike zone with Nick York at double A that I think would be troubling to teams. Um, I think that he did a good job of, of ultimately making contact in a lot of situations and probably is good at hitting off speed pitches, but he, he struggled um, against, against premium velocity in uh, hitting in double A. And so I, I, like I said, I would just like to, I would, if I'm the Red Sox, I'd like to see what he can do with triple A before I decide to trade him. And this goes back to something I've said. Um, I think I've probably said it in the group chat that we're in Jason, where I've, I've said that like the, the, the Red Sox like shouldn't trade. In my opinion, the big reason to not trade from the sort of big three of Marcelo Meyer, Kyle Teal, Roman Anthony is because I don't think those guys are at their highest trade value yet like that's the biggest reason to not trade those guys is because they haven't pr- n- none of the three of them have proven themselves at double a like yes those guys have played at have all played at double a um meyer was hurt the entire time he was playing at double a we didn't find out about this until later and of course he misses most of the second half of the year because of his shoulder injury and then anthony and teal only went up to and they both look really good in double a but they were only there for like a couple of weeks at the end of the last season so they're all three of those guys are going to get the chance to go back to portland and prove themselves at double a i think that and as great of a season as anthony had last year and he had a hell of a season last year i just think like the red Sox would honestly be unless somebody is unless the mariners are offering you george kirby for him now or something like that which i don't think they are um, I just think like, I think the Red Sox would be selling themselves short if they traded either any of those three guys before they have a chance to prove them to prove themselves more at double A. So, um, and then, uh, the, but, but the big question was about, um, was about like trading from surplus. I think they have, to, I think that's what they're going to have to do. Um, I would even argue that the Red Sox do have net, especially after some of the trades that they've made this off season, I think they they have surplus arms close to like in AAA and close to and in around the majors like guys on the forty man and not quite on the forty man um, that they could they could trade from that depth like I'm not talking about guys like th- that are um, you know like surefire not not guys that are starting pitchers in the big leagues or anything like that but they have depth that they they could trade you know Brandon Walter they could trade you know Brian Mata is a guy that they might have to look at trading because of the fact that he's out of options. Um, you know, they, you know, they traded Nick Robertson. He was in, in the, in the Tyler O'Neill trade, but that's like the type of, the type of guy I'm talking about, you know, Justin Hagenman is somebody that they could trade. They could trade, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, like Ryan Zufferdon or, or, you know, these guys that are like pretty close to the big leagues who I think they have that depth of, of more of those guys now um, that they could, they could move on from, you know, Chris Murphy is another guy. I think Hunter, Hunter Noel would smack me in the face if I if he ever heard me suggest that we trade Chris Murphy, but, um, uh, but, uh, that's, 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 I think what you're looking at is they do have some depth of close to the big leagues pitching. They could trade from if they wanted to. And that, that's surprising because as someone who looks at the Sox farm system, I know I'm not the same caliber as you, Hunter, Derek, I look, I say, where's the big pitching and it's Corrales and Gonzalez, but then, you, you do make a good point where the Nick Robertsons and the Brandon Walters of the world, they've had experience in the major leagues and a team could value that. It's like, okay, here's what we can do. And the Cardinals, 
they saw something, I guess, in Robertson that they're like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's take a flyer on him for a guy who is kind of a log jam in the outfield. Cause they also have, the Cardinals also had kind of a log jam there too. Um, Jack, I guess, what are your thoughts too? I think we've talked about like the middle infielder thing for a while now. Um, and it's starting to translate now to the outfielders, which if they get tail Oscar somehow, it doesn't look as probable as it did before, considering the Dodgers are heavily in on him. But if they did get him, I think like Jake said, it's, it's a Brayu, it's Sadon, It's one of those guys probably for whatever reason, Yoshida just kind of got brought into talks, which I don't see happening. And I can I hope they keep on, I hope they hold on to Duran uh, unless they somehow sold high, but yeah, it's something that they're going to have to address at one point or another before they start losing value on some of these guys. So it's something that we could, well, we should probably see this off season. Yeah. Um, I think this is a great time to bring in no! someone that you might yes! know. Who brought this guy in? Oh my God. <laughs> this is, I'm leaving. Goodbye. Uh, okay. What's so up, this is Derek. Um, Derek, wow. you've been on the show. Yes. Many times. When he brought I the put Chris Murphy, I saw I you laughing. coming on, Jake, and I'm like, okay, I, don't know this. I don't know this person. Good, good to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When you were talking this about Chris a... Murphy, I, I saw Derek laugh. Well, I didn't suggest trading Alan Castro at least like that was, well, you know, yeah, that was the, then, then, you, then I'd, I'd get slapped by Imagine if they traded both of those guys in one trade. You, I would, Oh, uh, we, we, we would be happy. We'd be uh rioting. The Pesky report minor mm-hmm. league show would be rioting. Yeah. Well, Derek, it's good to, it's good to have, it's good to see you. Um, yes. We have only got George Kirby in that trade. Well, yeah, I'd I mean, still be a little upset. You still, yeah, I'd still be upset. Out of all the guys um, you picked, the, that's the guy you picked, though. Like, <laughs> didn't have traded anyone else, right? So, well, yeah, um, I guess welcome, Derek, and yes, um, big surprise, is, woohoo! Wow, woo-hoo, yeah, this is about a no. If it makes surprise. anyone feel better, I I finished uh, my first season of my Red Sox and we the show franchise. Uh, Von Grissom hit 301 with 31 homers. <laughs> I mean, the 301 <laughs> sounds about right. The 31 homers, you know, <laughs> doesn't get 301, but... that would be amazing. And I wouldn't be surprised, I wouldn't be surprised, but 31 homers, it's like <laughs> taking little, advantage. Oh, but I traded Jaron Duran away and he hit 38 mm. homers. So, like, <laughs> I think that I think you might need to blow on the cartridge. That's is that a thing still? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't know. That's what happened. I traded him to the Angels, and then what do you know? He had 38 homers. With the Angels? Wow. Uh-huh. Well, I like I like the quote from Von Grissom. 23, that's my Jordan year. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Setting, the, setting the bar high. I love it. Um, I guess any anything else we got to say here? Um, well, Derek, uh, Derek, Derek just comes just in. I know Derek, Derek just joined. I don't want to. Derek just comes in, and that's it. I guess like just coming in to say hi. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, thank you, um, Derek. Now that oh, we, we do have to pro- we do have to quickly promote something though. Jason. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait for the end. Wait for the end. Uh, do we want to say it now? No. We'll Go say on, it now. Derek. Well, you already started saying whatever it is, so you. Might All right. Um. So Jason, Jack, and I are putting out. We are going to be ranking players at every position across the MLB. We're doing wow. top 10 position players, top 20 relievers, and top 50 starting pitchers. 
And Derek, so we have it on the record. Explain the point system briefly. So essentially, all three of us made our own list. So position players, 1 through 10, relievers, 1 through 20, and starters, 1 through 50. Um, and then essentially, so for the position players, first place on everyone's list got 10 points, second, 9, all the way down to 1 point for 10th. Like you the add MVP, up all like the MVP points. Almost, yeah. Kind of right, similar. Right. Yeah, you add up all the points. Whoever has the most points is first. Whoever has the second most points is second, third, fourth, you know, all the way down to 10th. And that was the same thing for like starters, except the top number one got 50 points, all the way to 50th, who got one point, and just do it that way. Um, and that's kind of the collaborative, and we came up with a collaborative list that way. And of also ranking yeah. position players and pitchers. Yeah, and thanks to Derek, we're going to have some really nice graphics to put out. So that's all coming very soon. Very exciting for us. Although we do have to discuss, uh, you guys don't know the nickname I have on the Pesky Report. I've heard of it. Crap. Oh, Jason no, might have heard of it. I've heard of it. I can I give it. I can give a hint. It's it's food. Oh my god, pasta. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Close. What do you what do you eat with pasta? What's something or, that you eat with pasta? Oh, cheese. Cheese. Mm. Oh no! Someone said it. yes. Jason got it. Shout out to Ed at hand for that nickname. Oh, oh that's Meatball. right. No, no, I remember that. Okay, I kind of remember. Yeah, because that's yeah. I gotta listen. How did it? How did it get started? He just okay. So no, it got started because I was late to recording once because I was helping my grandmother make meatballs. All right, because my sister wouldn't help. How can I forget? (laughs) That was amazing when that happened. That was hilarious. I was like 15, 20 minutes late. Yeah, we almost we almost bagged. Well, we didn't bag the episode, but like, yeah, I, I think Ed was. I think we asked Ed to come on, right? Was that what happened? And then yeah, I asked Ed like, to get on, and then like, and then I like hop on like twenty minutes, like like sorry, I had to help make meatballs. Yeah, meatball. <laughs> he had to help. He had to help his grandmother make me. I forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. So wow. that's a good. So I have the nickname nickname Meatball for Pesticore. Jake doesn't know my name. Uh, off the Monster Crew, and now Bob. We not Bob. I was much more off the Monster. They've given me the nickname Stats because whenever someone needs stats, they just mm. go to me. Okay. All right, stats. There's so, a lot of good stats out there. There's yeah, we've heard Stat Masterson and you know Stat Boy and uh, from from PTI and uh, I I don't claim well, that nickname, but it's what they've given to me, so I just kind well, of well that's well that's that's the best. Those are the best nicknames. Are the one the other yeah. people have to give you the nickname. Yeah, like Meatball. <laughs> yeah, like Meatball. You can't give yourself a nickname. That's that's very lame. So, that's do I need a nickname now? I kind of do on off the monster. It has to have it has to happen organically. However, it happens. No, your nickname's Dave O'Brien because that's a running joke. That's an inside joke. It's a running joke. We have a running joke oh, about yeah? Dave O'Brien. <laughs> okay. Anytime something we just start getting kind of like real off the rails, we just rein it in by just like, okay, so Dave O'Brien, and just kind of it's like an inside <laughs> joke. Yeah, I see. Okay. Because it's we're running. It's because it, I don't know what happened. It was just one day on the space. Yeah, we were on a space, and there was just so Dave O'Brien came up for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. Yeah. And it was just like, and we we're like, why are we talking about Dave O'Brien? It's like, uh, Dave I remember O'Brien, it got like off. Why. We went shocker off the rails, and then it was always segue by, okay, so Dave O'Brien, huh? Yeah, so, yeah, so that was our rain it back in, like, okay, was this is a little bit, let's get back on track here. Um, that was our uh, thing. So, yeah. We- <laughs> <laughs> a lot of inside jokes. We have, we have what we have the roast beef for the uh, roast for the beef. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. a good one. That was from yeah the fact that 
like there was a, some there was like a promotion when Hunter was like a kid, like going to I think it was Lehigh Valley games for a you know roast beef sandwich. Like you like if a guy got a hit, if like somebody got a hit or like got a hit in a certain no, inning, it was the one, it was like if that one guy I think hit a homer. Well, I don't know. If, was it the one guy? Oh, it wasn't the I one did, guy. No, no, it was wasn't one, one guy, guy. Always hit the homer. The guy that always hit the home run that people would get like the Arby's gift cards or whatever they called him roast. They, his nickname started to be roast beef. So we made a joke that if people, that if anybody uh, tallied up who actually was the the won the most guest of prospect games during 2023 season, that we would give them an Arby's gift card, with the caveat that they had to spend it on a roast beef sandwich. But but That's somehow bad. for some reason nobody took us up on it. I don't. <laughs> it's that no one was interested in the roast beef sandwich. It's not. It's not right. But I think next year we may ha- we might have to actually keep track. Yes. Like, well, hopefully, I well, I had been keeping track like the first month, and then I just like yeah, totally just... forgot because I didn't write it down, and, and it should have been me though because let's be honest, I was the one who was the host of the show, so like, of the little mini yeah. game show thing. So I'll take the yeah. blame on that one, but yeah. we got a we, good moment out of it with the roast. We did, yeah. We got to. Um... We have to. We should try to do an, an episode soon. We've only done so. We so we've only done one minor stock in the offseason. It was when we interviewed Philip Sykes. It was a really good show, um, but there just hasn't been a lot to. There hasn't been a lot to talk about um, from a prospect standpoint. Um, but that could always change. Um, yeah, the only now, thing that maybe we could have talked about is like when they traded Verdugo, and it's like, oh, we got prospects back, and then because we never really did like a Rule Five like review right, kind yeah. of thing. So like we could have maybe tried to like. But still, if would it like it's a little like okay, that's a, like we're gonna talk about yeah. what the two guys they got from the Yankees realistically, and yeah. then yeah, what the rule yeah. five draft like. It's been a quiet. It's been a quiet time for that, but yes. we'll um we'll figure it out. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about the fact that you know we're only like a little over a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. It's all the boards yeah. guys that are holding it's, everything. There's like so much off season is still left that has to happen, but yeah, it's gonna all yeah. happen in a very short period of time. Yeah, there should be a I, deadline I'll for just Boris clients. <laughs> you yeah. have to Scott, sign by this. Scott Boris clients have to sign by the end of the. That's I haven't heard that idea because people have talked a lot about like how can you make things go faster in the off season and their deadlines, whatever. Very specifically, if you are a Scott Boris client, you have to sign by the end of the winter meetings. Like that should be that should be it. Yeah, then no everything else falls into place. It's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Hey Derek, Derek. <laughs> now that we have you right before you join, you're talking a little bit about pitching. And I know your guy Sean Manaya signed early this morning. So who I talked myself into Manaya for the last like week and a half too. I was like, I was yeah. like doing my research on guys. And I'm like, you know what, Manaya, since he added a sweeper, had like a 360 ERA. Uh when he his last four games of the year, he started them when uh, I think he averaged like six innings in those four starts, like per start, and had like a two two like a two twenty or two twenty-five ERA. Yeah, and a and a Bailey guy. Yeah. It's only four starts starts, but yeah, working with Andrew Bailey last year, and then supposedly he's working at drive line and he's added a splitter this offseason, which is something the Mariners have famously been doing with George Kirby, with Logan Gilbert. They did it with Robbie Ray. So it's like it's like, okay, maybe there's something there. And the Red Sox have hired a gazillion people, it feels like, from driveline. Uh, in the last, you know, year, two years, however long. Um, and like like you said, Andrew Bailey's there. Now we have Breslow running the ship. I forget who their director of pitching is now, but they hired him from the Twins. I forget his the name. Red Sox, his name is, I believe his name is Justin Willard. Um, yeah, I, I I always forget his name. But uh, so like these three guys, though, who are there, who are kind of overseeing the development of pitching, especially on the big leagues. And I think yeah. that's 
I think I and yeah. Uh, who who was the free agent? It was a G Lito who said like he was impressed by like the pitch of like yeah the philosophy. Uh, yeah, we talked about yeah. that. We talked about that earlier. My my thing on what I what I said before on Manaya before you came in was that I just think that, like if Andrew Bailey was like yeah like I I like what he's doing or what he can do I would imagine that he would have pushed more for the Red Sox to sign him. That's and true. The fact that they didn't tells me that I don't know it's not some great loss. But but the Giolito thing is interesting because of how good his stuff is. And I think I, I was saying before, that's like Manaya is not as it not, it does not have nearly as high a ceiling of a pitcher as Lucas Giolito does. So um, he has a one start ceiling of a no hitter. That is true. That's it. I was going to say he's, we've seen flashes of how good he can be, but we've also seen Lucas Giolito be like one of the best pitchers in the American league for like three straight years. So yeah. um yeah, but but and if and he's only he's only twenty nine and maybe they can get him back to that. But and we and we have talked to minor leaguers about the the use of all of analytics and pitch tracking mm-hmm. data and yeah. just all the stuff. We talked with the CT about it. Uh, Christopher Troy talked to Hunter Dobbins about it. Um, so it feels like they have some they have a plan on the pitching development side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to be work. It seems to have been working in the minor leagues. We saw it with Nick Pavetta. They added a sweeper to his mix this past year. I think they did it around the same time the Giants added a sweeper to Manaya's mix, actually. I think they were both like the end of May. Um, yeah. And Pavetta after that. I think even his fastball ticked up, too. Um, I know they had worked with him this past offseason on throwing his curveball over 80 miles per hour. I think that was the thing that came out. Um, because, like, when he throws under 80, like, it gets hit. But when he throws it over 80, like, it's, like, untouchable, I guess. Yeah, no, that was, that was fascinating, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. It, it, there's... Um, there's a lot of room to grow for a lot of these these Red Sox. Yeah. You got to work on the four-seam like, fastballs though for Bayo and Giolito. Exactly. I think yeah, Bayo is a huge one. Like if they can, if he gets more, if Bayo gets like more swing and miss with his stuff, like you're talking like a like. I think right now we feel like maybe he's like a three, like or possibly a, hot, a like a low end two. But if he gets like can gain more life, whether whether it's more life on his fastball or a little bit more velo, or just like it ticks up like a little bit, then you are talking about a ceiling with a guy like Bayo. But it has to happen. Um, and the thing that I'm excited about with Bayo is I think that he can, at the very least, like, you know, he threw 157 innings in the big leagues last year. Like, I'd like to see him get up to like 170, 180 next year. And then you're really, you, you, you have something that's really impressive. One thing I wanted to make sure that we talked about a little bit before, um, you know, before we stop is about the, 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 the payroll stuff. And like, there's been a lot of obviously concerns about where are the Red Sox going to end up payroll wise. And um, I think that like my take on it is that the Red Sox should do what it takes to have like the best team that they can and that they should go into 2024 with a team that doesn't have like big time noticeable flaws um, the last couple of years, that's been a problem. 2022, the Red Sox went into the season. It was very clear they didn't have enough in the bullpen. Like, it was just obvious to everybody. And guess what? That's exactly how it played out. They, the bullpen was awful. So going into the 2023 season, the Red Sox did a great job of fortifying the bullpen, signing Kenley Jansen, bringing in Chris Martin, and, and whatever. But they didn't do enough to support the starting rotation. You know, the big acquisition was Corey Kluber, we all saw how that turned out. So I think that the, the bottom line is like, I think people have gotten very hung up on 
Like, and I and I agree that like you sh- you know the the shackles being on the the baseball operations staff in terms of payroll is is disheartening to hear about that stuff. But at the end of the day, what matters is have a twenty six man roster that you are you feel good about going into the season being complete so that they can compete for a, a postseason spot. Um, one thing that I don't feel like has been brought up enough is that like, yeah, could, are they going to be at or above the CBT, whatever a big reason why they could be right around there is because of hopefully because of some extensions that they could give out, which is like, I think we all agree that like the big one to focus on is, is Casas. Like it would be amazing if they could, they could work out an extension with him where they, you know, he's has one year under his belt. They could, he's go, he's got five years left. They could like buy out like a couple of, a few of his art, you know, like buy out all of his arbitration years and buy out his, um, uh, you know, his free, like a first couple of his free agency years in order to do that though, you're going to have to have that CBT number is going to be a lot higher because it's based off of for, for that contract because it's based off of the average annual value. So an example of this is the contract that Corbin Carroll just got, where he got like 111 over eight years. Well, his CBT number went from 750,000 to almost 14 million immediately because that's the contract. That's the way it works. So I, I this there's been a lot of this discussion about like the Red Sox aren't they're not going to come close to the CBT number, or whatever. They very easily could, and they could possibly go over if they do what I think we all want them to do, which is lock up, especially Casas and also Bayo too. Like, but but I, I think that people just think like that 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 that's not going to impact the CBT. That's going to have a, a huge impact on the CBT. And if they don't do other big, huge free agent signings, this is the right year to do that because they could, they can certainly afford to go over the CBT. It doesn't seem like they're going to, but they're at least going to get close just based off of the fact that your uh, you could have 10x the um, the CBT number for like Casas and Bayo. They should they could even consider. Um, an extension for like Nick Pavetta also is another one. They could talk yeah. about longer term deals, possibly for even Cutter Crawford or Tanner Houck, even or these guys like give Tanner Houck like a similar contract to what you gave Garrett Whitlock, possibly like where it doesn't even matter if he's a starter or a reliever. And you have cost certainty, and that could be really valuable to other teams as part of a trade. They could even look at. I'm going to go go crazy here. They could even talk to Von Grissom about an extension. Like like I'm just like throwing out. They could talk to Marcelo Meyer about an extension right now if they wanted to. Like we've like yeah. no, I'm not I'm not kidding. Like they they could do that. They didn't we just see that with with Jackson Trio? So and apparently he, Bloom was trying to do that before he left. That was the word was that that he was trying to do that especially with Casas before he left. So yeah. So so I think that like we're getting. I think people are focusing on the wrong things. What people and and yes, the Red Sox should be held accountable for the team that they put together and how much money they spend on the team. But what they should really be held accountable for is, are you going into 2024 with the best team, with the best team that you can, the, the, the salary numbers to me, it's just, it's a, it's an easy talking point for the media. And it's an easy thing to, to beat up Fenway sports group about. And yes, they do deserve to, they deserve to be beat up for the last couple of years having a, a payroll under the go, staying under the CBT when the team had very obvious flaws. That's the problem. But, but if they go into next season with a team that they, you feel good about 
one through five in the rotation. You feel good about the bullpen. You feel good about all of the starters. You feel good about the bet. You feel good about the depth that they have in AAA. If you feel good about all of those things, that's more important than they were above the CBT or they were below the CBT or, or whatever. Because the last thing I'll say on this is like, I, I just like, I don't like the, the having a super expensive team is fine. If you're winning, if they're, if you have a super expensive team and they suck, no one's going to be sitting in the bleachers at Fenway in August and September saying, well, at least they spent a lot of money on this shitty team. You know, that's no one's going to say that they're going to say, well, at least they spent, they they're going to say the opposite, which is wow, they spent all this money on this team that sucks that I, that like I don't want to So just have, have the best team that you can. That's what matters. Yeah. I will say that according. So I was looking at uh, Red Sox payrolls on Twitter or looking at their, like their spreadsheet. Um, and I was looking through the last few years. So obviously they went over in 2018, win the World Series, great and all. There, it was like 245 was million was about way that, over. Right? They went, they went way, way over. over. 2019, yeah. similar payroll number, missed the postseason. All right, Terrible. 2020, according to Red Sox payroll, they were under. They 20, well, yeah, because but, that was because of the bets and price trade was why. They well, did. yeah, exactly. Uh, in 2021, according to them, they're under by like like 0. 0.1 million. Yeah, they were. And just they made under. postseason. 2022, they go over, they miss the postseason again. Bad. And bad. then now 23, they are under. But the last two times they've been over the the CBT threshold, like they've missed. Right. The I should have. I should have. So I should have clarified the 2022. Yes, they were over, but they were over, and the team wasn't good. They if they were going to go yes. over, they should have got. They should have gone like up the to the next level to like exactly. get a bullpen and better starting pitching. Instead, they had the sort of team that they had. Don't go over just for the sake of going over. Exactly. That was the huge. That if was you're going to go over, make moves that are going to make and, your team better and going to fill holes that you have. And I think, mm-hmm. and I think them going, this is just my speculation. And we found out about this that like last season, they had an in season budget of you can't spend more than $225 million. Right. I think that was, and again, I'm just speculating. I don't know this. I feel like that was a direct result of the fact that they went over in 2022 and they, missed that they had a they had a 78 win team like i think i think i think that the uh, that ownership started to lose faith in heim bloom at that time like that was like that was the the issue so yeah. and like i said last two times they were that. over they did miss the postseason so right, exactly it's not so just because the payer was 225 doesn't was the, the budget was 225 doesn't mean that's like oh it's bad because they couldn't have gone over it's like even if they went over last year it doesn't mean they're guaranteed to do well you know so. you have to make moves that are going to improve your team, not just spend money, spend money. The other thing I, I do want to add in terms of like payroll things, which is the amount of money you're okay. That you're the luxury tax number isn't always the amount of money you're paying that player that year. So mm-hmm. I'll use this example. This is obviously the most like extreme example, but Shohei Otani, his AAV number is like 46 million on the luxury tax, but like his the Dodgers are paying him 2 million, right? So on the dot, when you think of the Dodgers, it's like, oh, well, they still got Yamamoto and they're paying Otani 700 million. It's like, they're paying him $2 million this year. That barely changes their payroll. Like, let's be honest. It barely changes their payroll for this year. So they have money to spend to go out and get those other guys. Yes, it does. It push them way over the luxury tax. Yes, it does. But in terms of their, like, what money they're actually, that's coming out of the bank and going to players, it's a lot less than what the luxury tax number is. Yeah. So there's also that not like for, so if they give an example uh, in a an extension to a guy like Acasas, right? Let's say the AVs, let's just say 15 million. It's a round number. Let's say this year they only are paying him like three million. The luxury tax number is going to be a lot higher than what they're actually paying. 
Right. Yeah. That's my, that's my point. That's what I was saying yeah. before. It's yeah. like, that's, that's what's going to impact uh, the, the bottom line. So it's like, I, I think that if, if they do what we hope they do, which is give it at least give an extension to Casas. And I think they should really try to give one to Bayo too. It sounds like both of those guys are open to it. Then yeah, the Red Sox will come. They, they absolutely should come right up to that CBT number, if not go over it. And again, they should not be afraid to go over it because of the fact that they were under it last year. And they could go and if they want to, because of money coming off the books, the money that they're giving to Chris Sale to not be here next year, and Kenley Jansen's money, regardless if he's here or not, that's another sixteen million. You know, all of that money is coming off the books. They could possibly get back under again next next year, um, and that's even with the really incredible free agent starting pitching class, which is coming next to offseason, which is which is another reason to not extend yourself if you don't believe one of these, the remaining starting pitchers is like a big time ace, um, which they're not, if you, if you're not totally sold on them, a big reason not to extend yourself for Imanaga or, or even, or Montgomery or any of these other guys or Paxton or whoever is because next year you've got Max Fried and Walker Bueller and Corbin Burns and, uh, and right now, Zach Wheeler and, and, you know, just the list kind of goes on, you know, Shane Bieber and the list goes on and on and on of guys who are going to be free agents uh, this time next year. It's and maybe Rookie Sasaki the, as a uh, amateur. Maybe. Um, maybe. You know, and, and so that you have to keep your powder dry for, for those guys if you don't believe that this is a great offseason for, for starting pitching free agents, which it isn't. Um, yeah. yeah, you go, Jack. Okay, well, what I was just going to briefly say to Jake's point about, yeah, don't go over just to go over. You know, obviously that didn't work for the Mets and the Padres, but go over because you feel like it's, that's what's best for the team. What I think is interesting is I think making the assumption that they didn't go over last year because they had lost confidence in Bloom is totally valid, and that's probably the case. But what it sounds like is they don't want to go over, certainly not over, and not even that close to to the first threshold in the first year of Breslow's tenure, which is interesting to tie a guy's hands and not really give him the chance to go out and spend and get guys that he likes in the first year, which I think's a little bit yeah. uh, weird, I guess. Well, we don't know though. Like, right. Like it's, it's, it's not, there's been a lot of stuff that's been reported. There was this whole like bizarro world Twitter thing that happened last night about like shedding payroll or not shedding payroll that like, I don't, I don't don't really want to get into, but like the bottom line is it is true that the Red Sox, they came into the off season with, I think it was 194 million committed in payroll right now. They're at 201. So they have not shed payroll and they've made a lot of, and I think you look at, at all at the, the individuality the individual Red Sox moves in your, I think they all make sense. And is the is the red are the red Sox like a great team right now no they still need they need another hitter they need another starting pitcher at least um and depending on what they do with the bullpen they might need another bullpen arm too especially if they end up actually trading kenley jansen um but the red Sox could decide we're not going to trade kenley jansen and we're not going to trade we're not going to trade yoshida and we're going to go out and sign these guys because we think it's the best thing for the team and blah 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 like i like i I just think that we have to see what ends up actually happening. Like, I think that um, we we are going based off of what is being reported, which is that there is like a budget in place, and it pro- there probably is. 
But I also think we have to just kind of see what happens. I I think, that, like I said, I think that if they give the, they give these guys extensions, they will be at or possibly over the, the the CBT number. Like that's that is my view on this. But I could be wrong, and they could be. I I don't understand. There's there's no benefit whatsoever for the Red Sox to not be trying to get extensions done with guys like Costas and Bayo. Like I I like I think this is the perfect like. I know that people like were thinking like let's do it last off season. I I didn't really think or d- going into last year's spring training, I didn't really feel that way because I wanted to see both of those guys like have a full year in the big leagues and see how they how they work, how they prepare, how they how they approach things, whatever. I think both of those guys passed those tests with flying colors. So now is the right time to try to get those extensions done. And if and again, yeah, if you do that, like that's your the CBT numbers are going to probably go from from seven hundred and fifty thousand to as much as eight or ten million for both of those guys right away. So, um, uh, but we'll see, we'll see. But but, but there, there's there's zero reason for them not to, not to do it. There's zero reason for them not to do it. Right, right. Because you don't want to see in like uh, what four or five years, it's like the same thing we saw with Rafi Devers. Like, exactly. What are you doing? You got to do it earlier. You got to avoid. If they don't want to, if they don't want to fall in the same trap they did with Rafi, what the hell are they waiting for? Exactly Th- right. That's, you, that's that was, what I remains, remains one of the most bewildering things that's happened with the Red Sox in the last, you know, 10, 15 years was the fact that they never, they didn't even like uh, it. What was it like? I'm trying to remember the timeline here. They made the offer to him that was like the Matt Olson contract. Remember that? Yeah, that was in spring training of 2022, right? Mm-hmm. And the report that was reported later, though, right? I'm sorry, right? But but the reporting was that the Red Sox had not ever approached Devers about a contract extension before that. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's unconscionable yeah. that that's what happened. Like mm-hmm. it it was ab- and that's that's on multiple. Um, baseball operations administrations. That's on Dombrowski and that's on Bloom. Like the fact that they never, like, especially after it was very clear. And again, I I really don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but like the whole, after it was very clear that Mookie Betts was not going to sign an extension, that they weren't, the Red Sox were not going to either A, they weren't going to give him what he wanted or B, he was just going to say no to everything. The fact that they, that especially after the 2018 World Series, they didn't turn around and say, okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna try to give this money to to Devers, you know. It, and again, I don't care. Like, it's not, it's not my money. The bottom line, though, is is that this, like, instead of what ended up happening, where he goes year to year, and now his, and they have him obviously locked up, but the CBT number is like close, is like thirty million or close to whatever. It could be fifteen million right now, and then you could, and then they could have. Maybe that would have been the thing that would have allowed them to sign Kevin Gausman a couple of years ago or, or have a serious conversation with him, whereas they had zero conversations with him or or whatever. Like that is especially now that we know like so much stuff has been recontextualized about the last few years. Now that we know that especially that Hein Bloom was not allowed to spend as to the same level that Dave Dombrowski was allowed to, to spend, like if he had been allowed to go way over the CBT in 2022 or whatever, or even 2021 going over. Like they, they, because like Derek said, they went, they stayed under in 2020 and 2021. Well, like they could have gone out and tried to and sign and, and made like a serious effort to try to sign Kevin Gausman. 
if they had the if if the they had the money under the CBT to do it. And part of how they could have done that was like if they had cost con- control and cost certainty with Devers in these years, which would have included now and and like his his free agent years. The thing is, we'd probably be having the conversations we had last year about well, you know, you're going to have to give him a new contract, and that's fine. But like you kick the can down the road a few years, and that's and it doesn't kick in until after that extent the current extension is over. So yeah, so so you so like you just said. Don't run into the same situation with Tristan Casas, especially. Right. Give him, and, give him the contract now. Yeah, and we had a little, not a little actually. And time flies. September of twenty-two, we had Brad Foe on this show, and he yeah. he said he when he asked, he literally asked Devers, "Has anyone approached you for an extension?" And he said, "No." Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. what are you doing? Am I? Am I? The other thing too, it's it's. It is wild because you even go back to like the 18, 19 offseason or like in 19, 2019. It's like we give Sale the money, we give Valdi money, we give this guy money, that guy money. It's like, do we want to even try and give Mookie Betts money here? It's like now maybe Mookie might have said no. We don't fully know. But at least in my opinion, like for me, I would have just chucked all the money in the world at Mookie first before chucking all the money in the world at Sale and Evaldi and Steve Pierce on a two year deal. No offense to Steve Pierce, but <laughs> like. He lasted how long in 2019? What, two months? Yeah. And you haven't seen him since? Right, yeah. like, Fun fact, I went to the Lowell Spinners and he played a game there. No for kidding. rehab assignments. Yeah. Nice. Him and Hector, well, Hector Velasquez, fun fact, was the pitcher that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Nice. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, I haven't heard that name in a, in a very long time. That's cool. That is uh, cool. Yeah, they do need to bring back the Lowell Spinners. Ah, oh. I miss the Lowell Spinners. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, so um, one other thing I did want to bring up, though, Jack, me and you had a conversation a little bit, what, last night? Uh, it was in regards to this past deadline. And we all know that the Sox had – they should have had a choice, either buy or sell. Personally, I think they should have bought, right? I think this team was worth investing, but nothing – not all in, but it was worth maybe investing an out for an outfield or investing in our outfielders for other pitching or something. But now that we learn the reports of, okay, they had their hands tied and they were very close to that um, ownership threshold, I guess. Um, my take is they probably should have sold because me, I think probably we all agree if they, they did nothing, we all knew they needed something else considering the tough tasks down the road they needed more, and if they couldn't get more, then they probably should have sold. I think that's my take. Jack, you remember that conversation we had last night? Yeah, and it looks like, kind of like Jake said earlier, it looks like they had an in-season budget last year, so they really couldn't yeah, have brought on any new money. But like you said, Jason, if that is the case, and you know you aren't going to – you probably aren't going to – maybe you'll be a wild card with what you currently have. But if not, yeah, you're fighting for a playoff spot at that point. Sell Turner, right? They they could have gotten Cabrera from Miami. It sounded like sell du- Duval if you can, potentially Paxton if you can. You look into some of the two year guys like Martin or Kenley. But yeah, at that point, pick pick one or the other. I swear, guys, just takes. I, I don't. I don't disagree with that about the the trade deadline. It's just like I think again, like what they were. They were like what, like two games out of the wild card at that point, or it was like it was pretty close, it was like, like two or three, something uh, like that. I don't know. Like, 
it's it comes down to what how confident and how confident was was Heim Bloom in in keeping his job because there was another thing that came out I think after he was fired from Chris Cotillo where I think he said like that he had heard uh, and he, I don't think he had it had it fully confirmed was which was that like the Red Sox had ownership had given Bloom at some point a like make the playoffs or or you're fired like ultimatum so um, I think that he knew that if so if that was true and he decides to sell at the deadline then. He knows he's then he is a hundred percent getting fired. <laughs> so I think I think point. there's I think if that is the case. So I think like there was a, a job self-preservation part of it there with Bloom, which was like, okay, I'm gonna just make like this one really small move around the margins to bring in to bring in Luis Urias and and call it a day. Um and I, I but I and then I also think like, yeah, so if you're gonna go that route. Um, and you can't really add payroll, then I guess that was the only, that was the only thing he could do. Um, I also think that, that there's a realistic, you know, thing in terms of like, if he was going to stick around and he wanted to stick around, which I think he did, you know, if you kind of make this like sell move again, like if you trade Justin Turner or, or you sell off James Paxton, you know, we saw what the 2022 trade deadline did to the clubhouse in, in trading out Christian Vasquez and, um, I think there was a concern on that that part of it too, which is I think that's why like, they didn't trade Verdugo at the deadline. Right. Well partially it sounds, it sounds to me like the clubhouse may have been okay if well yeah, if, but with the whole if, you know, if you was trying to make the playoffs, like yeah, yeah. At so the time, like yeah, Verdugo had started to struggle a little bit, but like up until the all-star break, Verdugo was still playing really well, at least of my memory. Mm-hmm. He didn't hit the he didn't hit the slump that ultimately Ended his time in Boston. That's exactly yeah what we know. But I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what do... I'm saying, and that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't the Verdugo problems didn't really start the show until really like after the deadline. Mm-hmm. At least that's exactly. of my memory, which might be a little off. No, but... that sounds right. No, I think that's yeah, that right. yeah, and then that's why that's why yeah. I think they didn't trade him at the deadline, especially especially if it was to the Yankees, let's be honest. They, there's no chance they would have done that. But now that you look in this offseason, they trade him to the Yankees, but you know all the problems that happened. It's almost like the thing of, like, if the Red Sox had known what was going to happen with Verdugo the rest of the year, they probably, I think they probably would have traded him at the deadline. If I wonder yeah. if you told Heim Bloom, you know, heading into 2023, something was going to happen, if they were going to have an in-season budget, maybe he would have made the Chris Sale trade before the season. So that's trading him to the Rangers, right? Who knows, right? Yeah. Um, but that's all like if you that's all like if you would have known what's going to happen in the future, which is literally impossible. Right. Um, is Heim was Heim perfect? No, no one's perfect, no. though. Like even like Alex Anthopoulos, Andrew Friedman, they're not perfect. Um, so like Heim definitely gets some fault, but he's not like this. The guy who's like got it. He's not he, he shouldn't have to take all the blame for everything that has happened over his tenure and with the, and all the problems Red Sox have, yeah. he's not the guy to put all the blame on because he's not the only guy that's involved in decision-making and setting budgets and the whole entire yeah. process. He's not like the only guy there is. He, it's, he's not, he doesn't own the team. He doesn't run the baseball team. He doesn't manage the team. He doesn't play on the field. He doesn't, he, he doesn't do all of that. He only does one thing, which run the front office. He doesn't do all the, he doesn't control ticket prices. He doesn't make ticket prices higher, even when the team struggles. Like, 
So he shouldn't get all of the blame. Does he get some of the blame? Yes, he gets some of the blame. He was running the base, running the baseball operations. Right. But and the I, fact and I tweeted that, out about that yesterday. Yeah, too, but the thing that like, like at like some people were doing were like times like the worst person ever, not worst person, but like worst like CBO GM thing, whatever. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Outrageous. Um, yeah, and and I would just say that um, I think people are getting more hip to the to uh, the restrictions that Heimblum had to work with the last you know the last the four years that he was here. I think that's become very clear to people. The more the more stuff has come out, the more that has um, the the more we're finding out about budgets. And 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 I want to say that like I I I think that people have taken some of the budget stuff the wrong way in 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 a sense like like there's maybe like the Dodgers clearly don't have a budget like the Dodgers just act, act like money doesn't matter right the Mets didn't have a budget. Um, well, the well the Mets do now. Well, like, now it seemed, but they it didn't seemed like, like, seemed like last off season they didn't. You know, it's funny to me. Like after they signed Manaya, they like I saw somebody posted the rotation. It's like Kodai Senga and Sean Manaya and Jose Quintana and uh, and Adrian Hauser and Luis Severino. And I'm like, are people ask, are people calling for the Mets for for Steve Cohen to sell the Mets because of this rotation? Like maybe they should. <laughs> you know, it's like like so that guy has more money than anybody could spend in a in hundred lifetimes, and that's the rotation that they're putting out. Like, so money isn't it's not ever so I guess what I'm saying is like the fact that the Red Sox have a budget on payroll spending makes them the same as literally like 28 other teams. And the good thing is, is that the Red Sox budget for their payroll spending is higher than like two thirds of the teams in MLB. We're not now, the Oakland A's. It's called comfort because of the fact that we've seen them spend a lot more in the past. And um, it's expensive to go to Fenway Park and like completely get all of that. So they so they cannot they cannot and should not get away with having a payroll the size of like the Tampa Bay Rays. Like that I that is out of that's crazy to me. Like that should never happen and it, it's not going to happen. However, I think that like the fact that they have a budget shouldn't be the thing tell that people are thinking like that that's why FSG should sell. Like the Red Sox have and I think you you pointed out a bunch of the numbers, Darren. 2018 and 2019 are the only years where the Red Sox were like way over. Like ever in the entire time family sports group is on the team. For the most part, usually there I think Alex Spear had it which is like those are the only years where the Red Sox were not within like I think it was either, it was like 10 or 11% of the first CBT threshold in either direction from the time that they introduced the CBT which I think was in the CB the the collective bargaining agreement that started in 2003 which is a year after Fenway Sports who bought the team and so I'm 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 bringing that up to just say that like the fact that they have a budget is not something to be like thinking that Red Sox need to sell the team over because every team has every team has a budget for what they can spend on payroll, except for apparently the like really right now, except for apparently the Dodgers. Like I yeah, I, that's yeah. true. But we've seen, but we've seen the, Met, the Mets are not spending as much this offseason. Obviously, the Padres are, you know, they had a, a you know terrible situation. Obviously, well, the, the owner dies and they have to, you know, mm -hmm. they, and then it seems like the Yankees are, you know, they they traded for Soto, but like they, but the Yankees have spent like zero on, on free agents this offseason. Yeah. So, Although I do, I do want to know, I want to find out how many times Dave Dombrowski had to ask John Henry for money. 
for more money. That's what I want to know. Yeah, I mean, I want to bring up something. Jake did get bring up a good point. I mean, look, you you brought the Dodgers, but I mean, what they had to reset, and they must have had a budget this right. past season. No, exactly. Yeah, because they didn't. They I think the Dodgers went over, but they didn't go over by. They, much, their original which, plan was to stay under. Right, and they had. I think the Bauer thing was under. the Bauer thing was why they had to go over. Like that was, yep. like they were because I think they had been banking on that money not counting towards the CBT. And then he gets reinstated, effectively got reinstated from the suspension, right? So then they were on the hook for everything that he he had to, he was owed. So that was the reason. They, they were, 2023, absolutely, yes, the Dodgers' plan was to stay under the collective bargaining tax, but they could not because of the Bauer situation. Hmm. But they, the, but the point was like they did have, they had to have a budget to try They've, to. The Dodgers have gone. The, Do, the Dodgers have gone under several times in recent years. Yes, absolutely. They were they stayed under even after they made the trade for Dave, for 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 Mookie Betts and David Price. Like they were still under that year, I believe. So, you know, it's 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 it, it fluctuates. It goes up and down. Every team gets, every team you know teams go under. Teams go over like whatever the and then i i think that we're gonna see that like i think that like like you know we're gonna see it with the padres i think we're already seeing it where like i think they're gonna try to get under if they haven't already um you know the mets may not may not be as over as they have been uh every year and it seems like maybe this year next year they're gonna try not to be so um yeah there it's it changes every team has different things different things that they have to try to accomplish every year from a salary standpoint. It's not the fact that the Red Sox have a budget on payroll is not a reason to storm Fenway park with pitchforks and torches. That's a good point because that's at sometimes I'm like, I want Steve Cohen, but at the same time, it's like, look where they are now. They're buried right. several years. Yeah. Well, and they did just they buy have... a bunch of prospects. <laughs> right. Yeah. But at, at the same time, they're they're still screwed. But yeah, um, anything else, guys? The only thing I'll add is just like it shouldn't be a thing of whether or not your team's over or under. It should be a thing of how good is your act, act is your team actually. Right. Like for example, we like you don't we say like we don't want to spend as little money as the Tampa Bay Rays. But imagine if we were as good as the Tampa Bay Rays with the amount of money they spent, and then we could spend the additional money that the Red Sox have available to them. You know how good that team would be? Imagine taking the Rays and then giving them as much money to they can spend as much money as the Red Sox mm-hmm. currently are. You know how good that team would be? Like right. that's I think I like like when we talk about like sustainability and like in terms of having a really good young core, we, what you look at the Rays, look at the amount of talent they 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 have with that low of a payroll, and then imagine saying, Oh, now go sign two big free agents to fill right. some holes. Exactly. That's that's like the perfect scenario. Now, is that going to be happen? Not necessarily, but let's say the Red Sox, if their payroll was 175 million, and it's like, okay, now go sign two big free agents, right? Yeah. And and those are the two guys. That, it's almost similar. Now they were they went way over in 2018, but remember the 2017-18 offseason? It was like we need JD Martinez. That's our guy. We're gonna go get him, and they spent money on him. Now, obviously, they end up going way over a totally different situation, but that was their guy. That's you know who they were looking at. If let's say we get to next offseason and the Red Sox are like Max Fried or Walker Bueller or whoever it is, that's our guy. We're gonna go get him. Go get him because they do have a lot of young talent and guys like Casas Bayo, um, and all those guys, and even coming up with 
Meyer and Anthony and Teal and York and um, even got guys now like Duran and Rafaela too in the big leagues. Well, you're Brayu. All those young guys, they are cost controlled. So if you can have as yeah. the more cost controlled guys you have, the better because then you have more money to spend on really good players that can fill the holes to take your team from maybe playoff contender to World Series contender. Right. Good. That's a good. That's a good. And point. hopefully we see that. Uh, yeah. It's not looking like. They're, that's probably going to happen at this point. But next year, we've talked about how loaded the class is. More money off the books. We'll see. Right. Um, I guess I think it's only fitting we end on predictions. I think that's a, that's pretty fun to do. Um, I'll start with our guests. Um, Jake, I guess we'll start with who do you think the Red Sox will end up? Because they, I, I feel like they got to do something with pitching. Yeah. Is there a guy that comes to mind where you're like, I think the I think the Sox will get him. Is there someone in mind? I just think, uh, like I said, we we don't. I, I the caveat of just like I mean, it's just it's just a fun exercise, right? Like I'm just I'm just trying to think of it in that terms of just like we don't we don't know, but um, I think it's gonna cost a lot. But I'm gonna I'm gonna this is the name I'm gonna say, Kyle Harrison. Oh, I like that. I Kyle like Harrison, that. Andrew Bailey knows him well. Um, I don't know what it's going to cost, but that's just the, that's the name I'm going to throw out there. And I and again, he's he's not a guy with much, if any, big maybe a little bit of big league experience, right? But um, one of the top pitching prospects in the game, and the Giants just traded for Robbie Ray, and they maybe they're in the mix for you know Imanaga and 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 uh, and. Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell and those guys too. So that's 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 the name I'm going to throw out there. As like the Red Sox will make a trade, it will probably cost one of Meyer or Teal or Anthony, um, and and maybe more. Um, but that's that's the name I'm going to throw out there. All right, meatball. I meant Derek. <laughs> Jeez, yes. touching wow. on. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I mean. I don't – I mean, the, there, there's a difference between the guys I want and the guys I think they're going to get because there are guys I want. Like, I love Patrick Sandoval as, like, a middle rotation guy. Do I think the Angels are going to trade him? No, right? Like, I, you know, I would love a Braxton Garrett or a Jesus Lizardo. Do I think the Marlins are going to trade them? Or at least are the Red Sox going to be able to get them without giving up one of the big three? Probably not, no. So it's like, okay, it's like I don't know where they're going to go. I don't know really sure, but I'll just say this. The guy I want them to get just for the chaos of it is Marcus Stroman because half Red Sox Twitter will lose their mind and I will love it because it'll be hilarious. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> Jack. Oh, well, Breslow's talked about being ready to give up prospects. However, I don't see that splash happening right now. I feel like it would kind of be a panic move almost. I think Imanaga is really obtainable and realistic at the same time. It sounds like there's heavy interest. Morosi said, you know, like an hour ago, there's five teams interested. I'm going to go ahead and say that they get them. That's what, that's what I'm going to mm-hmm. say. I don't think a team's going to give them four years, a hundred million. So I think, I think the Sox are going to get them. That's that's, I mean, I don't know if I actually believe it, but that's going to be my prediction. <laughs> Okay, that just leaves me, which I was going to say Strowman. Thanks. I think that's what I get for calling you Meatball. Um, I think that's karma. But I don't I don't see them 
I don't see them getting, like I said earlier in this episode, a big name guy like Montgomery or um, Snell. But I also don't see them trading with a team like the Mariners because, I mean, they they took time to develop them. I know they need hitters. And, like, what are the Reds? They they need probably – they just got Handiger, so it's like, well, how much more pitching do they need to give up for hitting? You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go Patrick Sandoval. And I think it makes sense. And you got to trade an outfielder, maybe. I think that makes more yeah, sense. Trade Duran like I did in LB the show and have him hit 38 homers. Maybe not to that extent, but yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Brian Wu is a dark horse. Ooh. Uh, ooh. Maybe. Just, I don't just know. a thought. Just a thought that you said the Mariners. Who knows? But yeah. Um, any final thoughts, gents? Before we wrap it up, maybe they'll trade for Daniel Bard. Reunion. For <laughs> Reunion. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. That would be that would be something. But no, in the rotation, why not? Um, this yeah, has been great. This has been really great. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, listen to Derek and I on the Pesky Report whenever we ever do another episode, hopefully soon. Um, and uh, it was fun to be uh, t- for to have Derek to have him crash. Um, the show unfortunately we didn't didn't get i didn't uh, try to get him to uh, say a really difficult to pronounce name um unfortunately oh, this you. time so you're gonna love my shirt jake i'll save that yeet oh god <laughs> yeet <laughs> that's a whole other we're that's talking about inside jokes we don't we're not gonna go down that path but anyway. <laughs> thank you guys very much for having me i, I do appreciate it thank you for having we, yeah i was gonna sorry jason we, we really appreciate your time jake so thank you so much this was a long episode so really thank you yeah, so for Jake, you can go check him out. I'll link his Twitter to this episode. Uh, for Derek, for Jack, I'm Jason. Thank you for tuning in if you're listening uh, in this one hour and 37th minute. And go Sox.